0: Hello, Bear Cubs, and welcome back to another episode of Secondhand Therapy. We need to remind you that we're not therapists, we're not experts. That's right. We're just two guys. Just two guys going through it. Going through it, trying to figure it out. We have a guest today. Ooh. We have an incredible guest today. Yeah. Super talented. Mm-hmm. Super dope. Mm-hmm. Super chill. Mm-hmm. Super smart.
1: Mm-hmm. Quite possibly. Uh Uh-oh.
0: My new favorite musician, musical artist?
1: She's incredible.
0: Straight fire. Yeah. Uh, Honora is in the studio with us today.
1: Yeah, we were lucky enough to grab her while she was here on tour in in LA, and uh, we sat down with her and had a fucking incredible conversation.
0: Yes, uh, and we have to give you a trigger warning here. So this episode, we will be uh talking usual stuff mental health depression anxiety but we will also be dipping into discussions revolving sexual assault so if that is triggering for you just know it will come up but thank you for being with us and enjoy the episode
1: enjoy the show
2: This bout has been three months, but I've done six months and year chunks over different times of my life, too. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I could use the term bout <laughs> like it's, it's a battle. Like, yeah. I've been fighting in therapy for yeah. three months now.
2: <laughs> I have been fighting for my life for yeah. three months now. Yeah.
0: What brought you into this bout?
2: It was relationship anxiety, funny enough. Um, mm. Shut
0: up. Sorry. <laughs>
2: no, all well, right. Let me introduce you to Lou. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. It was it was relationship anxiety because um, I had had a relationship and about a year ago and it ended badly. There was some, you know, not a bad person, but certainly not dealing with his issues and it turned into a big mess. There were some addiction things involved in there and that can get mm-hmm. messy really quick. Um, mm-hmm. And so... Just the prospect of getting close to another person again in the context of dating brought actual heart palpitations, and like deep self sabotage. So I thought maybe I should talk to somebody about this. Oh wow! Yeah.
1: So actual physical reactions to oh, yeah. these emotions that you're having.
2: Fleeing, just fleeing, fleeing the scene. Wow. Wow.
1: Yeah. Like dates or what? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Just like oh. leaving dates. I did that a couple of times. Yeah. Hey, good for you. I like it. (laughs) I
1: I like to ghost in real time. (laughs) At least they know where they stand. There's no confusion. (laughs) She's gone. (laughs) Yeah.
2: I actually
0: talked about something like that in therapy recently in, um, in ways that when you have trauma in your past, it can directly affect your central nervous system, which can come in like heart palpitations and things like that, anxiety and Fleeing, yeah. So. It's a
2: real body thing for me. The anxiety it's, uh, it feels like there's a real emergency even when I'm just sitting, or at least it felt that way. Even when I was just sitting at a table talking to a person over like a salad, Yeah. but it felt like, Oh, a lion is chasing me and I'm in danger. Yeah. Yeah. Like a disproportionate physical response for the situation.
0: That's real panic. Yeah.
2: Because you're projecting a memory onto the present time, mm-hmm. right? This person's going to become a crackhead and chase me around the city. Like that's what's happening in your head, you know, well, at least.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You're almost, um, for lack of a better phrase, you're, you're punishing them for something somebody else did. Yeah. And that's not,
2: not it. So that ain't it. No. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Yeah. So did you, so you got out of the relationship about a year ago. What made you decide to get back into dating?
2: Um, I think just, I don't want to, stay closed off forever and stay in the comfort zone. I don't think that it's good for me to just repeat my little routines and only see friends and only write songs, play my shows and just not ever open that door for myself again. I don't think that that's healthy to just avoid the wound. Um, So I thought if I do meet somebody and they're really amazing, I know that I won't be ready if I don't excavate and clean the wound.
0: It's a great way to look at it.
2: Yeah. Proactively. And then a month later I met someone and I was like, Oh, here we go. Here's the playground upon which every single attachment issue and insecurity and trauma is dancing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So are you currently attached to some, like seeing somebody?
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> wow. Whatever. Yeah. yeah there's,
2: there's a little anxiety there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. I'm happy for thank you. you. Thank you. That's we'll a see. big step. Yeah. We'll see. I'm, I'm, you know, one thing at a time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: You- yeah, so what does that look like with is it I imagine it's slow motion, right?
2: Yes. And at the same, it's like, I call, I'm calling it ping pong. So there's one side of my head that wants to feel the security that wants to feel that something stable is happening right away. And then there's a side of me that when feel things feel good and he's does super nice, sweet things. I'm like, Oh, I have to get the hell out of here. Like mm-hmm. I got to run away right now. So these, the, the one that wants to attach and the one that wants to flee, they're just ping pong and back and forth in my head. Yeah. Yeah. So that's when I need to take a deep breath, ground in the present and practice the tools that I'm learning in therapy to, you know, handle it.
0: So in in the pat in your past relationships, when things feel turbulent or you feel scared, is that your reaction is to distance?
2: No, this is a new development for me. Ooh. That's kind of why I noticed. I noticed the change in myself after the last relationship ended, um, and that kind of prompted me to check it out. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, what kind of tools did they give you in therapy?
2: So it's a lot of somatic work. A lot of instead of suppressing it and you know cutting the pain with a joke or changing the subject, like well. where does all right mm. i'm sorry no hit me I don't, i've never heard of that well, I, <laughs> I have an anxiety right now <laughs> she's in my head man and yeah. where do you
1: feel the anxiety in your body Lou?
2: all over <laughs> I
0: feel like you see me
2: right now <laughs> oh, i'm so sorry uh, i forgive you go ahead but yeah for me it comes up in the chest and in my neck in my throat yeah. and then up to my up to my eyes even around my eyes so my therapist will have me tap different areas um as something's happening, as an emotion is like fighting its way out of my body. And mm. instead of stopping it to try to hold it together and be the boss lady that I like to think that I am, yeah. actually sitting back in my chair and letting it release completely, terrifying. Just
0: letting yourself feel what you're feeling. Letting oh, it happen. Wow. Letting so it have fun.
2: Yeah, like allowing it safe passage to its natural conclusion without fighting it or trying to control it.
1: Don't like that. Don't like that. That thats unfucking un-fucking-comfortable. I tell you, I'm a super chill laid-back, dude. No, you're not. So I don't know anything about anxiety, but that sounds uncomfortable.
0: Dude, sitting with anxiety is the worst. I talked about that in therapy recently about... uh, We kind of prefaced it on here a little bit. Like, getting comfortable of not fearing your anxiety. Because the worst thing you can do is be scared of your anxiety.
2: It compounds.
0: Yeah. Like, if you can just... Like, all right... I'm going to be anxious for a little bit and just accept it. And it's part of life oh, until man. it isn't super fucking hard, man. Yeah. Super fucking hard. Yeah.
2: Yeah. How you feeling? <laughs> I think you need to exhale.
0: <laughs> That's a good call. Good call. Yeah. Appreciate you. Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, Lou's been doing these new exercises in his therapy. Um, he got a new therapist a few,
0: well, I guess it's been three weeks, four weeks, now, a month? Yeah, three, four, five, something like that. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, but she's doing something completely different than what he was used to. Yeah. More somatic stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: yeah. How's that been? Uncomfortable. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm.
2: Do you find yourself like at the edge of crying and then stopping it?
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like her, (laughs) you know, what? you need to come back more often. This is I just love seeing him squirm like this. This is great
0: We literally in the episode (laughs) that's coming out Monday uh, Yeah, she she has she has me do this thing where I close my eyes and I visualize Like my feelings inside a room and I go in the room and like ask him. What are you scared is gonna happen? (sighs) And she asked me to go in the room and I said no (laughs) because And she asked why. And I was like, I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack and I'm going to cry. And I don't want to do that right now. So yes, I often feel myself Mm -hmm. wanting to cry and then not. Mm. Yeah.
2: So if not now, when? Never. Okay. Okay.
0: The box is shut. I don't want the box to be shut. I'm trying to figure out how to, how to open the box. And right now it feels like, the box gets like inched open and then punched closed again. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out how to make that a more graceful process. And that has been a struggle recently.
2: Do you have also like shame on top of that? Like shame about that fact that that is happening on top of what that's, that is.
0: I don't know that I feel shame about crying. Um, I did talk in therapy this past week about, the idea of um, how I think most men are programmed with like the be a man thing. And we talked about like times of my childhood that I remember when I didn't want to do something or whatever. And I was chastised for like acting like a girl or doing like those kinds of things. Um, But I don't know. I don't know if that translates to me feeling shame currently about crying, but at least not consciously it's possible. I tend to avoid those conversations (laughs) (laughs) in therapy. So maybe one day I'll figure it out. Mm. Yeah. How about you? Why don't you cry?
2: I cry all the time. Yeah. I cry like five to six days a week these days after. And that's funny you say that because it's just after months and months and months of not being able to access any emotion at all. Even joy? Even joy.
0: Mm.
2: Because I was in such a state of survival mode Getting out of the last relationship, like I said, it ended badly. Yeah. That my body was stuck in like a freeze. I was like in a survival mode sort of thing, and there wasn't. I didn't feel safe enough to to let it discharge and like complete the circle, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a hard time feeling much of anything at all. Um, so what's been happening is I would go to my therapist's office, sit there, and talk at her, report to her, mm, and yeah. then. 45 minutes into the 50 minute session then a little tear would come and then the following week it's 35 minutes and then 30 and then 25 and then and then the last session I had right before i flew out here I sat down and then like three minutes in it just ah, just started bawling and she went okay we're gonna tap here we're gonna put our hand on her chest deep breath put your back on the back of the chair and then you know we took it from there
0: yeah yeah was that uncomfortable yes yeah
2: but I felt light as a feather afterwards
0: yeah yeah
1: are you more open now in therapy with crying and things like that? Or are you, are you more open with your emotions just in general?
2: Yeah. I think that now the floodgates are open and it's, uh, I feel kind of like going through a second adolescence in a way. I don't mm. know if that was an emotional time for you guys. Mm. but Interesting. It, yeah. It kind of feels like um, another adolescence. And a lot of things that I had shut off in myself to survive what I was going through are like, we've been waiting for you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's laughter and there's crying. Hmm.
1: Yeah. Same time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: It's yeah. the best way to do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you're, you're kind of like reprogramming.
2: Yeah. i for you. I'm remembering. Yeah. Yeah. Is it hard? Yeah. Yeah. It's very hard. Yeah.
0: Do you, have you struggled um, with accessing memories?
2: Yes. Yes. So um, a few years back, how old am I? Eleven years ago, this I'll give you a content warning for your for your viewers, content warning. I was raped when I was eighteen years old. Yeah. Happens to a lot of us. And the first year after that is a blur, a literal blur. Um and I only started accessing the details of that maybe a year later. And um you know, I would have like flashbacks. That was a big one. Nightmares and flashbacks was a big thing. And with that came some really dangerous impulsions and intrusive thoughts um, that I was lucky enough to be able to white knuckle through not acting on like self harmy stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then one day I just got really angry that my life was in shambles and anger is a really great way to shake the rain off, you know? And then once I was angry because what happened wasn't my fault and my life shouldn't be a mess right now. That's not fair. That's not fair. That was unjust. What happened once I had anger, then I was able to feel the grief and the sadness and the, you know, all the other things that disappointment and violation, all the things that come with something like that. And it was a lot. So I started writing songs. Mm. to kind of process and cope with that and then perform those songs. And that's when things started to really unlock for me after that major, major trauma, like major traumatic event in my life.
1: Were you writing about those situations and those emotions and then performing those?
2: Yeah, yeah. I was, yeah. And at first I didn't have the courage to say explicitly what it was I was writing about, so mm. it was cloaked in really obtuse metaphor. And then one day I wrote this song, and the chorus is just, it wasn't my fault. Yeah. Yeah repeated, it wasn't my fault, like just repeating that and singing that on stage, especially initially early on in my career to fellow college age people, young women who were also holding a similar pain. Oh, oh, something's happening here. Like they would come up to me after the show and talk about their experiences, like Mm -hmm. just telling me what they'd gone through. And then I saw, okay, this is affecting more than just me if I talk about this. And this was back Mm -hmm. in like 2015, 2016. Yeah. Before me too. That's when I noticed that.
1: Yeah. I went through a similar thing with grief with, I started opening up about losing my parents on stage and going to therapy and suicidal isolation, all all these things. And, um, two things. One doing that every night on stage is, uh, it's good and bad. It feels great. Some nights and other nights. I remember, coming off stage and just going in the green room and just bawling my eyes out. I couldn't even go and do meet and greets or anything like that. It just, the emotion takes over. Totally. Um, But two, something I talk about a lot is connecting with an audience in that way and opening up about something that is so dark and you don't realize how many people are hurting or affected by that or that connection that you have with somebody after a show is uh, really eye-opening.
2: We're really not alone.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and you feel because with the things that we carry, we feel so isolated. We yeah. feel it feels so heavy. And um then when you start opening up about it and you find those connections, and especially in large spaces like crowds and performing and stuff like that, man, it it uh, it gets lighter and it feels like more people are carrying it with you.
2: Yeah, you're sharing the load.
1: Yeah. 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 That's huge. Yeah. Have you found it to be easier than moving forward doing performing more and more did it get easier to express those emotions and
2: i think that um after a time i don't know if you've experienced this transmuting grief into another art form there's freedom there's also like a physical release of performing on a stage and Mm. no one takes the mic out of your hand and that's extremely affirming and important um and then something happens where enough time passes and you perform about it enough times and it takes on a life of its own and it doesn't it stops feeling as connected to the initial event or memory.
1: It doesn't belong to you anymore. Yeah. In a weird way.
2: Yeah, now it's a song, not a memory. Now mm-hmm. now it's mm-hmm. a melody and some lyrics and not the worst thing that ever happened to me.
1: Yeah, it belongs to a lot of other people now. Because yeah. they're connecting, they're relating, they're you know, yeah. That connection is is taking Again, it's, it's getting carried by more and more people, and so it's less, less yours.
2: Exactly, it's less about rel- yeah. like reliving or trying to transform the experience, and it's more about the new thing and mm. moving forward and not staying stuck in the past, for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. I noticed that um, with my short film, uh, I wrote it about grief, and when it was on paper, it was like this horrifically personal thing that I didn't want anyone to read or anyone to ever see. And now it's a short film and I watch it and it feels so separate removed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, this just happened to this character guy. Like, that's all right. That other guy. Yeah. 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 It's weird when you turn your experiences into art, how yeah, you get removed
2: from them. Is it satisfying for you?
0: Professionally? Yes personally and emotionally I think so
2: yeah yeah it's different though right yeah it's, it's different, different than you expect Mm-hmm. yeah
0: how about you satisfying
2: um initially yeah and yeah. then it became my job and that kind of threw a wrench into things for a minute but yeah I think like jumping around on stage with a live band behind you puts you back in your body when, yeah. when you're stuck in like a memory loop or a trauma loop it's a really good way to get back into the present for sure but that's a totally different medium than filmmaking yeah yeah totally different
0: yeah same company different division yeah, I
2: mean, yeah.
1: <laughs> um since speaking out about the trauma and everything else do you do you feel the pressure now to have a voice for that so moving that, forward
2: that happened for a while um yeah. i also spoke on television and on radio a lot where i'm from about it Um, and then this funny thing happened, like it stopped having the same weight in my, in my world as it did because enough time had gone by and maybe because the truth had been spoken, there wasn't a, there wasn't any, any smoke and mirrors over the experience anymore. There was no more shame. Yeah. And when that went away, I stopped feeling the need to talk about it as much. And I naturally gravitated to other subjects in my, in my work. So now I answer the questions I feel like answering and it comes up, but and it's good that it comes up because the problem still persists. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't feel like I'm ripping at a scab every time I sing the songs. Like mm, I thought it might mm. feel that way, but it doesn't.
0: I want to ask you a question. Okay. Um, I don't know if this is appropriate. And I also understand that this is coming from a straight white male brain. Hit me. Do you think, cause we talk about grief a lot because it's something that we share and how it's, it's never something that goes away. Yeah. The pain of being the victim of sexual assault, is that something that you can ever heal from? Do you think?
2: Hmm. Is that something you can as an, if, is it possible?
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. What I say is that you don't ever go back like with grief, you don't go back to the version you were, version of yourself you were before that happened, before you felt that loss, before your heart was ripped open, but you can recover and build something new of yourself after the fact. If, if the pain is allowed to discharge all the way, if you allow yourself and if your community allows you to to open that wound and, and take care of that together, then it's absolutely possible to build something new and live a fulfilling, happy life. I know that some people bear certain marks, different kinds of scars to varying degrees, but I don't think that I don't think that it's um, a death sentence spiritually. It doesn't have to be, not in my opinion. It's taken yeah. me a really long time to get to a point where I could hug a person. I hugged you when I came in. You did. Yeah, that's taken me a long time to be able to do that, but I didn't feel like running away which is a big step for me.
1: Most people do when they meet (laughs) Lou. I'm not going to lie to you. Dude,
0: I am the best hugger Hmm. of all time. I didn't give you a good one because we just met. Yeah, I was like, hello. (laughs) I didn't give you a good one. (laughs) Can I give you a full-on bear hug when you leave?
2: Please crush my soul back into my body.
0: (laughs) I'm a great hugger.
2: Great. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's possible. Do you think it's possible to recover from grief?
0: Go ahead. I'm going to think about this.
1: Yeah, that's a loaded question. I I Recover is... I like the way that you put it when you said that you're you're not going to be the version of yourself you were before. And I think that rings true with grief as well. It changes you. Trauma changes you in in all forms, I think. And um I think how you choose to move forward is is a big is a big way on how you're going to recover. I don't know, I think I think it's something that you always carry with you. I think it's always gonna be a part of me, and I think you choose on how big of a part that's gonna play. Yeah. So, I'm gonna say no.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: She kinda fucked me up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you kinda fucked me up.
2: Sorry. What part?
1: Uh, the first we... 15 minutes, really. Yeah. <laughs> Since we
0: started, um, just the, the thought and the idea of, cause I've always thought when I think about grief, um, I understand that for the rest of my life, there are going to be times when I'm really sad about it yeah. and I'm always going to feel it. But then you put, you kind of framed it in a way that it's really just about how you live your life. And yeah, I can like, I can still feel these things and they are going to weigh on me forever. But if I'm still able to live my life the way I want to, does that, does that mean I'm healed? What is healed? Fuck if I know (laughs) that you fucked me up.
1: (laughs) 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 Yeah, I think that's what it is. You're choosing how much energy and space you're going to give that for the rest of your life whatever without, that trauma is
2: and without suppressing it too and without avoiding right. it is the trick
0: well you got you got the wrong guy over there <laughs> <laughs> i
2: saw you take a deep breath and hold it when i said that
0: yeah captain suppression over <laughs> here why ain't that
2: <laughs> <laughs> i'm open
0: really sure come on. come on come on man come on it's hard it's hard not yeah. to uh suppress shut down yeah and, yeah. I f- oh,
2: fuck. I but that mechanism is there for a reason to protect you,
0: your protectors. Yeah, yeah.
2: As long as they're useful. And then when they're not, then that's when, that's when you, that's when I dug.
0: Yeah. That's, that comes up in therapy a lot. Like in the instances when she's like, Hey, let's go in the room. And I go, absolutely not. And she's like, okay, so you're, you're having a protector come up right now to protect something. Let's let that protector know that it's okay and we know you're just doing your job yeah and i try to do that i'm just like all right man
2: i love that i love that you give it a name mine's the recoiler yeah (laughs) the recoiler yeah like people are trying to like love her and be super nice to her and bring joy to her life and she's just like dodging lasers like in the matrix or whatever no get away yeah yeah
0: i'm the protector what do you got Oh, wow. you, you're mostly doing talk therapy. Yeah, hmm.
1: yeah. We're not getting into exercises <laughs> and things yeah. like that. Which
0: lucky bitch.
1: I, you know, I, I don't know if I want that or not. I do, and I don't. You sure don't. Sometimes I hear uh, how scary the room is, and yeah, I'm like, I don't, like don't want to go in there. But also times I'm like, well, is talking enough? Hmm. Um, doesn't feel like it. I got a thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nope. Buddy, I'm telling you, I can talk about things that have happened all day long. You want me to get in the room and face them? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a. Di- it's a different fucking thing, man. I
1: mean, I am crying in therapy, mm. so there is movement happening in Such some some policy. direction. <laughs> no, it's good for you. I'm proud of you for crying. I oh, wish I yeah, could do it. Yeah, I know. Like this guy's been giving me shit about um, I not, not wanting to cry. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang, yes? hang on. Yes, yes, sir. On. Yes, sir. I have not been giving you shit. I'm sorry. Do you want to look at our Instagram clip? I would love to look at the Instagram clip. Half a million people saw you give me shit about not mm-hmm.
0: crying. No, uh, half a million people also said. <laughs> oh dude pay this guy he's better than your therapist <laughs> so shut the fuck up i didn't give you shit about not crying i said you know how to feel emotions but you don't want people to
1: know what you're feeling that's, that's true that oh. is true okay then and you then, fuck and then, <laughs> and then and then, you then you said, the well, following week he said my therapist wanted me to cry and i said absolutely not yeah <laughs> I don't know how to do it.
2: Wait, yes, hang on. That's because you know. You know how hard it is, and you know he needs to do it. You're a true friend. Thank you. Say that again? You know how hard it is, which is why you know don't, that he needs to do you, it. I'm sorry. You don't have to do No, the last, you're right. the last part. You're a, you're a true friend. Thank you.
1: Well, you've done you it know. now. The
0: amount of comments I'll never hear, I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> because I am a good... I know I'm a good friend. I, and all these motherfuckers in the comments going why is, why is he mean to you
2: why he shouldn't push a, you like I'm that I'm in an
1: abusive relationship oh my god Such this is abuse
2: conflict is not abuse thank you god
1: damn you know what I, I take a bet you're not allowed to come back <laughs> at first I was like she's great let's have her on more and now banned from the I'm show I'm literally like this is my Worth new it. co-host <laughs>
0: <laughs> buddy you're gone <laughs> oh I, knew it. You I knew it you're out of
2: here <laughs> Oh, God. Yeah. Question for you, Lou. All right. You know what's in the room.
0: That's not a question.
2: (laughs) So. So nervous. Why are you afraid?
0: I'm afraid of... A lot. I'm afraid of a lot. Because the idea with the room is you put whatever the feeling is in there. And at first you observe it. See if it has shape or color or anything like that. And you go in the room with it. And you're supposed to, you know, talk to it and interact with it. Um, I'm afraid. I'm just afraid it's going to be too much. And like I talked about recently, I haven't had a like massive panic attack in a while. And I just don't want to do it. What's a while? A couple years, two years.
2: Oh, so you're afraid that it's going to be, it's going to take over.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. And I, I remember what that's like, because I used to have a massive panic attack twice a day Oof. and I haven't done it in a while. And I don't want to do it again.
2: Do it. Make it sound like it's a choice.
0: I don't want to do it. Mm. I don't want to do it. And I know I will eventually because it's part of the work. And if I'm serious about um, becoming a better man and being the man I want to be, I have to do that work. Uh, I guess I'm just... hoping that maybe one day I'm going to walk into that room and feel really brave. Mm. Um, I think that's what the hope is for now. But if that day doesn't come, then I'm just going to have to choose to be brave, I guess.
2: Yeah. Isn't bravery doing it scared?
0: Maybe.
1: Yes. Shut up. You know what? She's back on. She's (laughs) allowed to come back on. (laughs) I like her again.
0: Yeah, of course that's what bravery (laughs) is, but I don't, I'd rather just feel brave because it doesn't seem scary. And then I guess that's just bravado. That's not even bravery.
2: One step at a time then. Yeah. Oh my God. Now you did it. <laughs> he held his breath. Yeah. I have a question for both of you. I'm super curious about this. Do you, have you felt any conflict with, um, between self-improvement and self-acceptance in the therapy journey? One more time. Hit me with that again. Have you sensed any conflict between self-improvement, better man, i got to do better, be the person I'm supposed to be, and self-acceptance in therapy or in general? I don't think conflict is the word. Or how do you navigate that? How do you navigate those two things?
0: What do you think, I mean, when I say better man?
2: I'm not sure. I don't know. I I have a, when I hear people say things like that, I, I I wonder if it's like wrapped up in an industry of wellness and like a, you know, hamster wheeling, trying to perfect the personality sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Or if it's, I don't know, it's, it's individual. Some people sincerely mean face their shit, recover and, and kind of become at ease with themselves. So some people use that word differently, which is why I'm, I'm asking the question.
0: Why wasn't your question? What do you mean by better man?
2: Hmm. Perhaps I made an assumption. I don't know.
0: Interesting. I was <sighs> just curious.
2: What, I was curious. What is your definition of better man?
0: I don't think I have a definition. I just... Uh, I... I'm not perfect. I know I can never be perfect. I don't want to be perfect. Um, But... I can be a better man in the sense that I don't think I'm who I deserve to be yet. Um, I struggle with empathy because I overthink. Um, I struggle with communication because as you mentioned, I tend to lean toward joking. I said that. Yeah. About you. You said that about you. Yeah. Yeah. So we share that. Mm. Um, and I, I know I'm a good person. I know that I have a lot of kindness in me. I know I have a very big heart. Um, I think I deserve to let that be more accessible to the people in my life Mm. and not be so guarded. Um, so that's what I mean when I say I want to be a better man. Um, But I think your question makes a lot of sense because I do think the root of self-improvement is self-acceptance because I do think that self-love is the foundation of the work that we're all, the three of us are doing. And I think self-love, if you have self-love, I think that really is going to spill over in all the other
1: aspects of life. Hmm. Michael? I think two things. I think one, when you kind of touched on it a little bit, um, saying this idea of what self-improvement is now and like this wellness culture that we live in, I think it is very trending. I think it does get overused a lot, this idea of getting better. Everybody wants to quote unquote get better now and they're just marketing a lot of stuff to us and yeah,
2: better how, better at what?
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Every podcast you listen to is like you know, Except this know, one. <laughs> has has ads for therapy now and there's journal things all over TikTok and Amazon and things like this. And they're just I think I think it's become very marketable. And I think that's a dangerous thing because when I first started getting into therapy a few years ago, I was fighting a lot of that because it was so popular. And it actually, I didn't even realize that I was as depressed as I was because I thought that it was so trending that I didn't want to even admit that I was depressed. Mm. And I remember sitting in the office with my first therapist and we're going over things and she was like, would you deal with depression? And I was like, no. And then she's like, what does depression look like to you? And I remember describing exactly the weekend I just had on tour. (laughs) And she was like, isn't that the weekend you just had? And I was like, maybe I'm depressed. (laughs) But I didn't want to admit that because it was so popular. So I think it is, it is, I think a lot of, but that's the gift and the curse, right? Because it needs to be more popular so people are more aware of it so they actually do it. And the people that need it do it. So your Um, experience
2: didn't align with kind of how it looked What you were seeing out there kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And um, this year I've been doing a lot of work on myself. And what I'm trying to do, and we just talked about this, um, was making, being more clear on what your goals are. Because I think a lot of times we get lost in this idea of like these bigger than ideas of just like, I want to get better or I want to feel this way or I want to not, cry when i watch you know puppy commercials or whatever the fuck you got going on yeah thinking about more clear about like what am i actually after we were just working on this in therapy this week what am i what am what am i actually after what is the emotion behind that and is there a different way to get there and still get that emotion or when will you be satisfied kind of thing? Because a lot of times, again, we miss the target because the target's just fucking big. You know, we're like, I just want to be happy. Well, what the fuck is happy? Happy yeah. is huge. Yeah. And so when you narrow it way down, I like, go, okay, I want this. Okay. This will make me whatever. And so I've been really trying to work on what that looks like in my life. And being more clear on those goals so that I I actually know when progress is being made and if I'm getting closer to happy.
2: Mm. (laughs) Closer to. I like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. I don't know. I just don't know if happiness is real.
1: you think happiness is attainable? Yeah. Both of you. I think happiness is... (laughs) You and I've talked about this. It's the longevity of happiness. right? It, you and it I,
0: feels like an idea. I feel like it's, it,
1: I, I feel like it comes and goes like other emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And you have it one day and you don't the next, or you have it one moment and you don't. And it's like, so how do you, be, how do you become happy? I think it's just work on how, how do you extend happiness? Hmm. I think you f- find it and figure out how do I get that? How do I live in that moment longer? Or how do I do that more?
2: Um, that's it you said it live I think like if you can connect I think connecting to the present moment if you can find ease and peace and acceptance of what's happening right now this chair this room this floor these people myself I think as much time in that space is as close as anyone can get no isn't that what like Confucius and Buddha all say right. yeah I don't know yeah I don't know that though. makes sense I don't know
0: I kind of look at it as I just want to find things in life that bring me joy and peace and try to make those a part of my life. I don't fucking know. Yeah. Mm I don't know, man. It's hard out here.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) So are you working on... With this anxiety, this new anxiety that you have... Yeah. It's a real bitch. Are you... Are you also working on trust?
2: <sighs> yeah. Define working on trust. How does one work on trust?
1: Well, I think that's. I think in your case, there's several levels of it, right? Mm-hmm. Trusting that the environment is safe, trusting that the person you're with is a lot of things safe, not only but also not going to. Do you wrong in two, three, six months, trusting that what they say is true, trusting that the emotions that they're showing, trusting that, <laughs> <laughs> trusting that uh, the value that they put on you and the relationship is there. You know, trust. It's, it's my turn in the hot seat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, what was
2: your question? <laughs> Are you working on trust, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Your Honor? Repeat the question. Use it in a sentence.
2: <laughs> yeah, oh my god. Okay. Am I working on it? Yes. Do you want to hear my most recent assignment from my therapist?
1: Yep. Absolutely.
2: She asked me what would happen if I hugged the person that I'm seeing right now mm-hmm. and not pull away right away. Mm. Yeah. So my, my tendency has been hug and either, okay, that's it, I'm good. That's, that's been enough for like, not even because it was enough and I've enjoyed the hug, but just because. That's enough. Like, no, no, I don't want to get any deeper into this or go limp and dissociate until the other person has finished their hug. Mm.
0: That's, that's so terrible. <laughs> Good so that's what That's what you do with your partner now.
2: Okay. Um, my assignment now is to hug him until I'm done because I've enjoyed the hug and it was enough. Not because I'm uncomfortable because there's a nice feeling from the hug mm. and don't talk through it. And don't make jokes while it's happening.
1: So you can't hug and be like, "Was it good for you?"
2: You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. Like I can't, yeah. I can't do any of that. I have to just like hug and relax into the hug and trust that he's gonna mm. let me hug him until I'm done, and then he's not gonna exactly th- whatever fear it is that he's gonna switch or run away or whatever the thing is, yeah. you know? Did you do it? I told him that I was supposed to do it.
0: <laughs> so the question was, did you do it?
2: No, oh. you didn't do it. No, I'm in L. A. right now. He's That's always a good in, in, in Montreal. <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. We, we hugged over Skype. It was yeah. nice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Safe distance. You know, yeah. yeah. I trust Skype.
1: <laughs> Baby steps. Are you going to do it when you see him again?
2: Yeah. I'll give him a hug. I'll give him a proper hug. I'll try my best.
0: Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> in what, the, sorry, go on. What's your, what's your baseline of trust? Do you operate? Hmm. Like for example, do you feel that people have to earn trust or you give trust until they lose it? Or is there a middle ground? The
2: second one.
0: You give trust until they lose it? Yeah.
2: Which is probably a problem.
0: (laughs) That's what I want to do. I'm the opposite.
2: I give trust before it's earned. And then I'm devastated when I like learn that this person I met two weeks ago is like actually not my best friend. Because I want to connect so much, but I I don't put it in the right place sometimes. That
0: seems so much better. Are Mm -hmm. you sure? Yeah. Okay. Because I've always operated that trust has to be earned. Well, it does. I don't, does it? Because I feel like that's me. I
2: projecting. could rob your place right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> you could. Projecting. I feel like that's me projecting my insecurities or whatever onto them. Like, you got to earn this from me.
2: Why? Are you trustworthy? Very. Okay.
0: But I feel like everybody's always, uh, I don't know.
2: Well, you live in L.A.
0: Yeah, and I'm Italian, so.
2: Hey, me too. How? Hey, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah, I've always operated like trust has to be earned, mm-hmm. and I just feel like that's a bit—it's kind of a callous way to go into a relationship with a human being.
2: Mm, and like you're, you're already mistrusting them.
0: I'm already keeping them at a distance for no reason at all, other than that's how I think I should be. When I think your way of, okay, giving trust seems to be a more pure way to go into connecting with another human I being.
2: Think, I think it's naive. And I think that in romantic relationships, I do it your way and with friendships and, you know, professional partnerships, it's the everyone's my best friend way. But mm-hmm. in romantic relationships, there's, there's a bit of a wall.
0: When you say naive, does that mean weak?
2: Hmm, I think it means, um, um, unresearched. Like there's missing data and I've given the, I've given a person access that they haven't earned to your point.
0: How long do you think it usually takes you to trust somebody then a romantic partner that you feel they have to earn it?
2: I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't have like an official number and I'm also a really unreliable data point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm traumatized. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Yeah.
0: Do you think it's possible to fully trust another person?
2: Hmm. I think that I will trust a romantic partner no more than I trust myself. So because I've at times viewed myself as someone who m- has acted against her values or best interests, like in my last relationship staying longer than I should have, for example, mm-hmm. um, I've inadvertently fostered a distrust of my own judgment or an ability to act in my own Towards my own health and safety. So how can I trust the person in front of me if I don't trust my own, my own actions, my own um, instincts? Yeah, yeah.
0: So self trust something you're working on as well?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's part of the hug thing. Mm-hmm. Like when am I done with the hug? Yeah. How does that feel like for me?
0: I guess that, and I don't want to tell you how you're feeling, but to me it sounds. That doesn't sound like trust to me The hug thing Hmm That sounds like almost Just letting yourself be comfortable I guess No that, that could be too, trust That too though
2: It's because I don't trust That it's gonna last mm. Or that the person's gonna stay nice
0: So you're trusting your instincts Of you're yeah. pulling away At the right time Yeah Oh uh,
2: Yeah that's it Interesting Yeah it's my own instincts
0: Do you find that women Want what they actually say they want when it comes to vulnerability in men and emotional access and those things, or do you feel like it's all just a talk?
2: I, I think about this a lot. I think about this a lot because in my last relationship, I was hoping for a clearer communication and openness from the person I was with. Um, and then what he brought me was like terror, like terrifying. And I, so I think that we like the idea of the closeness that would come with someone who is more emotionally open and available. Um, but we are also perhaps not always equipped for what's actually under the surface. Because I don't have the experience of being a man or boy and being told, be a man, don't cry. All the things that you guys are, so, the, the programming that you get, the socialization that you get, um, is not, it's not an experience that I have. So I think that a lot of the times we can be ill-equipped I don't think that means that we should stop being honest with each other and communicating, but I think that understanding that there is a natural learning curve with any human being that has a different experience from you is like a step and at least trying to get to the point of that, right? Conne- like connecting without judgment and with curiosity yeah. and compassion. I think it's a hard.
1: Lot, I think a lot of times too, I think, I think it's the duality of the strength with being vulnerable too. So I think that they want them men to be open and vulnerable and show these feelings and talk about them and express themselves, but without the responsibility of those emotions and and things. So I don't think it because oftentimes women in relationships end up being caretakers yeah. for men. Mm-hmm. And I think it adds another layer of like Oh, I'm already doing X, Y, and Z. And now I got to hear about him feeling, you know, this way or that way about work or family or this or that. And it just, it adds, it piles on Ooh. instead of just being an, an addition to or wow. whatever.
2: Hang on. This is a breakthrough for me. <laughs> yeah. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I never realized what that is. That was a part of it in my last relationship too. Yeah. Caretaker. I knew that I was a caretaker, but I didn't realize that was a factor in my lack of space. To, like I wasn't able to hold space for the emotions that were happening because I was tapped mm-hmm. out. Yeah. I think that we want to want that. I think that we want to want the emotional side that you're talking about. Yeah. And I think it's really hard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I talked about that with my last therapist and I kind of put him on the, <laughs> I put him on the hot seat. I was like yeah. with your female clients, what? Well, you know, do they want what they say they want? Mm-hmm. And he's like, they all say they want it. And he, and he said, basically, it depends on how much work they've done on themselves, whether or not their actions are matching their words.
2: And what modeling they've had mm. for, for, yeah. for males in their life expressing yeah. emotion, you know, whether they're talking about it or emoting in front of people. Like, is there a father that's throwing things at the wall? Like, is that right. what emotion looks like for them? Mm-hmm. Or is it shut down and avoidance? Is it is there a healthy model? If there is amazing, then I feel like those girls are probably doing okay. Yeah. <laughs> but for those of us that have not had necessarily consistent healthy modeling of men showing and expressing emotion, then it can be we want to want that because we had chaos. But yeah. But then we don't know what to do with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. His takeaway was kind of what you were saying um, that women want a man with emotional capacity and sensitivities, but mostly. Around their feelings They want The man to be able to process their emotions And be open to hearing their emotions But as soon as the emotions are coming from his That's when it becomes too much Oh shit So they want men to be sensitive And capable of hearing But they don't want men to be expressive of themselves That's Mm -hmm. where it becomes too much for most women
2: Why do you think that is?
0: I don't know Hmm. I think (laughs) I don't know. I think maybe to the point we were talking about, maybe women want to feel less like a caretaker and feel like more of an equal and that they're also being taken care of. Ah. Uh. Um, Cause I think I can't, it's gotta be exhausting to like feel like you're taking care of a grown man a lot.
2: Depends on the relationship, but it can be. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I don't know. I mm-hmm. don't know. But
1: relationships are hard, so.
2: Yeah, what that's a tricky one. I'm going to think about that for the rest of my month. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the rest of my life.
1: I think I think no matter what the answer is, I think it it has to start in the circles of men, right? And we're talking about emotion, like how, how to regulate them and how to express them properly. Yeah. And also how not to burden them with your partner and other things. So I, I don't think that women can teach that to men I don't want to add that to the list of jobs for women (laughs) but I think it starts with the circles of men and how do we teach each other how to regulate emotions how to express them properly how to show things besides anger and shouting and and all these things um and I think I think we're getting a little better at that not great I mean, but I think I think that men are are being more expressive with each other. We're seeing a lot more of kind of this guy love happening. I love it. It's I love more guy acceptable. Life. Yeah, um, but it just hasn't hasn't gone out to the to the whole the whole nation yet. Yeah. <laughs> it's in pockets still. They haven't
2: downloaded the update. Yeah, yeah.
0: exactly. <laughs> exactly. But I th- I feel like
1: more than.
0: Getting men on board don't like isn't the first step getting men to be even interested in listening
1: and learning? Yeah, and I think I think that is I think I think the call has to come within the house. You know what I mean? Like we have to check each other. And I think a lot of times in circles of men we don't check each other. I think a lot of times we just go, oh, you know, everybody not everybody, but a lot of friend groups have the guy where you're like, fucking Bob's fucking crazy, you know, or whatever. Like this guy is it has gone rogue a few times and we just go that's fucking bob you know instead of checking bob and being like hey man why are you acting this way or what are you doing that's not cool or whatever it is the converse, the hard conversations that we have to have with our friends we're not having because we're dudes and we don't give a fuck you know it's like whatever that's bob bob's crazy mm-hmm. and instead of checking him and i think that's where it, ha- it has to start is we have to start Doing that in our own circles, and that will get other men interested. So, you think the first move is checking Bob, not asking Bob, Hey, man,
0: have you ever, do you ever have any interest in not reacting that way? Well, I was, don't, don't start talking well my mouth is still going, right? And we know that. Well, I already I, know the answer, so go ahead. Go ahead.
1: No, hit me. I'm using check as like. Check in? Yeah, just not, not as harsh as I think you're taking it. Uh, Lou's a very literal person. <laughs> so, words have meaning. So. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so I, I'm just using check as like in any way you want to take it. So if you are, if you want to do the soft approach or if you do want to actually like sit Bob down and be like, fuck you doing either way, you're, as long as there's action happening, I don't think there's any action happening a lot of times. Mm
2: -hmm. Question for both of you. All right. Did either of you start therapy because somebody else told you that you should? Nope.
1: I can't remember I don't count
2: but like that somebody go you should go into therapy and you went oh and then you called the therapist
1: I don't me <laughs> <laughs> she's like bro this shit works you gotta do it <laughs> I because I've I've tried therapy a few times My, it's been hard to get into here in Los Angeles and it's also been hard with tour schedules and all these other things I mean you get that and so it's like um, I can't, I don't know the initial start of it, but definitely in this most recent, <laughs> uh, bout with therapy. Yeah. People are like, are you in therapy again? Uh, when are you get into therapy? I'm like, no. I'm
2: and was that the reason you, was that the reason you did it?
1: It was something that I wanted to do anyways. Okay. Um, and get back into it. Cause I did enjoy my experience the first time around when it actually, when I actually got in. I had a terrible start to therapy and got moved around a lot and and just like wasn't great. Mm. Um, And then during the pandemic, everything was shut down and I was doing better help. Mm. And I always joke around that it was not better or help. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Uh, every mm-hmm. podcast out there has an ad at the beginning of the thing like you should get better help i'm like nobody should have better yeah, help
0: yeah as it's, soon as capitalism hit mental health I'm oh, just like dude yeah. fuck this
1: it is the walmart of therapy oh my god uh, so I, yeah. I but uh yeah so that was like eh, like a place a weird placeholder mm-hmm. but it did get me it got me motivated to be like okay i need to actually but you, did,
0: therapy. you did start BetterHelp because of your partner no
1: uh yes yes
2: yeah how, how did that happen
1: um she had mentioned it to me because of i was going through a lot of identity crisis stuff during the pandemic with everything being shut down and you know again like my life has been on tour since i was 20 years old and that's all i've really known and i don't my social life really wasn't happening outside of my comedy career. Mm -hmm. And so I didn't even know who I was without it. And that was a big struggle happening with me during the, during the lockdown of like, you know, uh, who am I without this Mm -hmm. thing that I've always been, Um, how everybody knows me. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, it was a big, big mental struggle for me.
2: And then she told you about BetterHelp?
1: She was just saying that I should look into okay. getting back into therapy. She's like, dare. hey, you're sad all the time. <laughs> hey, you might jump off the balcony when yeah. I go to work. Can you? <laughs> and I don't want to deal with it. <laughs> uh-huh. so. I don't want to clean it up. We got an HOA. Yeah. No, oh. I don't want to.
0: Can you Google it? <laughs> <laughs> Can you- can you google
2: that shit it's dark man <laughs> the, welcome to the show thank the you show, yeah. it's great to be here yeah. <laughs> what we do. The, the the reason i was asking that question was because um on checking each other mm. is it not true that people kind of only make that leap when they're ready to
0: as the checker or the checky checky yeah i think you're right that's why that's why i was going through like yeah. Don't you think you need to approach it as like, "Hey, do you have any interest in not being this guy?"
2: Just like planting a seed,
0: yeah. And, and like letting them, like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" You go, "Got it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think therapy Enjoy is a lot burger. like sobriety;
1: they gotta want it, yeah. you know. You yeah. just can't be like, "You should stop drinking." They're like, "What the <laughs> fuck? Never."
2: <laughs> I was <laughs> yeah. like, "Oh no, All problem, right. problem solved."
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, I think you are absolutely right because mm. I think otherwise it's just gonna be instantly defensive. Yeah,
2: that's hard because there is shame, right?
0: Yeah, because it's taken less as a crutch and more as criticism, I think.
2: Ouch.
1: I've got something for you before we get out of here. What does happiness look like for you?
2: I love this question. I love it. Because for me, like, initially, I would've, six six years ago I would've said performing, like singing songs on stage with my band, that's it. And then that became my job. And my then it became my identity, which you know about. Um, and then I was like, okay, well, the other twenty-three hours of the day, what am I going to do? Yeah. Um. So, when I started feeling numb on stage, then I was like, okay, no, I need I need more balance in my life. I can't exist only for this one thing. And so I started like listening to music outside of my genre, going to other people's shows, going to see other types of shows, comedy, theater making new friends, like cooking dinner for people in my home, which I would never do. Like my home has been just like a storage closet for musical instruments and merch, but like actually setting up my home in a way that I could receive guests and then making them dinner and lighting candles and, you know, serving other people and holding space for each other and loving each other in that way has been really, really beneficial. The balance, having a balance of the rock star on stage and like the, you know, friend mom and like going for walks and, and visiting the town and just doing stuff that is not only about work has been really, really beneficial for that for me because, um, when my identity and ego is not wrapped up in perfecting this one skill, the singer thing. Yeah. Um, and I can allow myself the space to be a full human being without mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. What a relief you.